Welcome to Unlocking Brand, a part of our Siegel & Gale Says podcast series. Here, our global brand experts host live case studies, deliver actionable insights, and answer key questions on the topics that matter to brand marketers today. In this episode, our global CMO, Margaret Malloy, and creative director, Sam Houle, are joined by Martha Cavanaugh, Director of Corporate Affairs for Glambia, to discuss how to successfully redefine and revitalize a remaining brand after a split. Headquartered in Ireland, Glambia is home to love brands including Optimum Nutrition, the world's number one sports nutrition brand, Isopure, and Think Protein Bars. The company also supplies ingredients to food companies worldwide. In 2021, Glambia announced its intention to sell its stake in Glambia, Ireland to its partner, setting the stage for an award-winning brand refresh of Glambia. This is Siegel & Gale Says. Welcome to Siegel & Gale Future of Branding Unlocking Brand episode. I'm Margaret Malloy, Global Chief Marketing Officer of Siegel & Gale and your host for this conversation. Siegel & Gale is a preeminent brand strategy, design and experience firm. Our topic for today is how to successfully redefine and refresh a corporate brand following a separation or spin-off. Our case study is a multi-billion dollar global nutrition company that partnered with Siegel & Gale to deliver an award-winning brand refresh that is delighting stakeholders, including more than 6,000 employees across the globe. Headquartered in Ireland, Glanbia is home to loved brands, including Optum Nutrition, the number one sports uh, nutrition brand in the world, Isopure, Think Protein Bars, and more. Glanbia also supplies ingredients to food companies that nourish millions worldwide. In 2021, Glanbia announced its intention to sell its stake in Glanbia, Ireland to its partner. This set the stage for a brand refresh of Glanbia. Today, I'm joined by Martha Cavanaugh, Director of Corporate Affairs, Glanbia, and my colleague, Sam Houle, Creative Director at Siegel & Gale. We will have a behind-the-scenes look at the processes and lessons learned from this brand revitalization. It's also interesting to note that Glanbia engaged Siegel & Gale to name and create the brand for the new company, Tierlon. And that case is the subject of another one of these unblocking or unlocking episodes on Friday. I invite you to join my colleagues and Tierlon's Nicola O'Connell for an in-depth conversation on creating that brand. Details to RSVP will be in the chat momentarily, or you can message me as ever on LinkedIn. So let's begin the Glanbia refresh story. And do please feel free to put your questions in the Q&A, specifically in the Q&A. And I will direct those questions to Martha and Sam 
throughout this case study conversation. So Martha, a very warm welcome. How are you and where are you? Thank you so much, Margaret. Delighted to be here. I am sitting in beautiful, sunny Dublin this afternoon. Fantastic, a place close to my own heart. So Martha, I set the stage a little. Perhaps you would elaborate on that context for this brand refresh, please. Yeah, so as you've said, Glambia, we're a better nutrition company. We're headquartered here in Ireland with about 6,000 employees around the world. Our heritage is very much in dairy, um, but over the years we've evolved from, I suppose, essentially an Irish dairy and ingredients business into a nutrition company. And as you rightly pointed out in your intro, today we're home to consumer brands and also ingredients that help people around the world to live full, healthy lives. And we capture that in our purpose, which is all about delivering better nutrition for every step of life's journey. So when we think about the rationale, I suppose, for embarking on the, the brand refresh, we've had a lot of evolution in the business, you know, since Lambia was founded really back in, in 1999 through a merger actually at that time as well. And towards the end of 2021, we found ourselves on the cusp of a transformative evolution for the business. We had just announced our intention to sell our share of our Irish business, then known as Lambia Ireland, back to our joint venture partner, the Cooperative Society. So that transaction needed to go through a number of hurdles. It needed to be approved by shareholders on both sides. But ultimately, if it achieved approval, we knew that we'd have a fundamentally reshaped business. About 2,000 Lambia Ireland employees would effectively become part of a new entity and our footprint here in Ireland would be reshaped. So I think when we reflected on this and what the future might look like, we felt that there was both a need and also a great opportunity to redefine our corporate identity for the organisation that we'd become. And I remember really clearly, Margaret, in one of our earlier conversations, you had we had this discussion and, and you had said, do you want to be known as Remainco, i.e. the bit that's left over after this split? And that really resonated with me, you know, and it, it kind of stuck in my mind, I suppose, as we embarked on, on the process. And we had great executive sponsorship, I must add, from, um, from Michael Patton, who is our Chief ESG and Corporate Affairs Officer at the outset and, and throughout the project. And yeah, we, we kick-started from there. So Martha, heritage is really important to this brand. Talk a little bit about your sensitivity to being mindful of the heritage of Glanbia. Yeah, so as, as I mentioned, our heritage is very much in the dairy business. We're a very, very well-known business here in Ireland. We've really strong brand equity in this market and, and in other certain markets as well. But I would say historically, the Glanbia name is, is best known name in this particular geography. Our brands are clearly very, very well known as well in, in their own right. And over the years, we have you know, moved on from that dairy positioning you know, to be known more as a nutrition company. And the foundation work for that, I would really say, was kind of copper fastened about seven or eight years ago through a lot of work that was done in our purpose, vision and values at the time. That was an amazing foundation for the work that we embarked on through this process. And it meant that we were grounded in something that felt very real, very authentic and very Glambia throughout. And it was a real anchor, I think, of the work that we did together. Yeah, that that's my recollection too, Martha. I remember reviewing those materials and thinking, there's some really good things to work with here as we embarked on perhaps simplification of it, but the opportunity to sharpen that focus with a really good sense of identity of what the entity stood for. Absolutely. And I think in addition to the PVV work that we leaned into very heavily, we also took a lot of views from across the organization. Um, we were careful to include a range of people from different parts of the business. 
and people with different lengths of tenure as well. And that really helped. And I think it became clear as we worked through the process with the team that authenticity was so important. We're really grounded as a business. We don't pretend to be something that we're not. No matter how we show up, it has to look real and it should look clean and not overthought and it should feel inclusive. And I think, well, Sam, we'll we'll get into it, but I, I think we achieved that. Fantastic. Well, that's a good segue to introduce Sam. How are you doing, Sam? Where are you today? I'm doing fantastic and I'm in New York City today. Fantastic. Well, I'll invite you in a moment to show us the visual identity, which was a big component of this brand refresh, and maybe set a little context for how you approached it from a visual identity perspective, because this was a very well-established brand with a lot of equity. It was, and I feel like, as you heard from Martha, there's a lot of love for the brand internally, and there's a lot of tenure across the organization, too. And so really, our our sets were not only to modernize and bring to life some of that redefined kind of anchor points on nutrition, but also to make sure that employees would fall in love with the brand again, really keep that affinity. So I have some really good visuals I can pull up as we talk to kind of see and appreciate where we are today or that current state that we kind of began the project in. So we should be seeing kind of where Glambia was at the beginning of of the project. And I think a lot of this work was done during a time where dairy was maybe more of the focus. And so we were really able to start with a deep dive audit. I mean, Glambia is a big organization. There's also lots of sub brands and just business architectural nuance that we wanted to dive into and appreciate and understand also an organization that comes to fruition in many touch points. So we really needed to appreciate the depth and breadth of a simple system that could be cohesive across multiple touch points and really start to understand and appreciate that. And so we did this not only from our own desktop research and partnership with the team on the Glambia side, but we also spoke to stakeholders, understanding and appreciating how has the design really been trading them over the past couple of years? What are things that they wanna hold tight to, things that they feel like are really iconic for the organization? as well as things that maybe we're ready to to change or optimize or modernize, really let go and transform so that we can really set our sights back on better nutrition and really celebrating that portion of the business. Sam, what are we looking here at? Is this some of the audit of the materials when you and the team commence the project? Yeah, absolutely. So these are some of the pieces that we saw um, and we're auditing, um, looking at in different social channels for Glambia, even some of the sub businesses as well. What's the LinkedIn start to look like? And really, how does the brand system come together? We were seeing a lot of different shape languages that had a great opportunity for us to really clarify what the visual story could be for Glambia as we really dove into this visual audit. So tell us about the word mark, because that seems integral to the evolution here. Yeah, absolutely. There are some really interesting considerations. And while it feels like a, a really beautiful modernization, every detail, of course, was was thought about and really scrutinized as we went through this. And on, on the left, you're seeing the before that kind of current state Glambia mark when we began the project after you're seeing that that uh, change in optimization that we had. And the big thing when we talk about the symbol, that symbol originally was supposed to reflect the sun. 
And for many years, we heard from stakeholders that it was maybe representing more of a crescent moon. Um, and that circular yellow dot is what was called the gleam or the bright spot of the sun. So we were really starting to maybe not fully communicate the story that we wanted to tell, even in our existing state of our symbol, where that crescent moon really kind of overtook the spirit of the sun. But we had that color palette coming through as well. So that was something we really wanted to clarify and really make sure that we could dial in more where we started to step away from any connotations to moon or nighttime and really tapped back into the sun. The sun as a story became really important for Glambia um, as we started to look at the redesign because it, it's what fuels and grows all the nutrition that we provide to millions across the globe. And so that became something we wanted to hold really tight to from our storytelling, um, even through how that color starts to gradient throughout that symbol in the after state, we were really able to have that reflect the momentum, that energy, that fueling that you get from the product. So even the way we started to articulate the color became really important for us. Another change you'll start to notice is the Glambia wordmark, the letter forms itself. Before we had a lot of contrast is what we'd call in typography in the letter forms. So there's lots of thicks and thins happening. And when we get into digital applications, things that have such contrast like we have start to get harder to reproduce or have legibility when we get into digital means. So we really wanted to simplify the wordmark and really start to bring in some more circular synergies so that our symbol and our wordmark really become integrated together in a beautiful way. Really double downing on that geometry became important. And then lastly, a big change was having Glambia use an uppercase G. And that was something we had talked about a lot with the team as far as giving our, our organization that stature and credibility that we have and deserve in the marketplace and really allowing that uppercase G to show that confidence and also connect back to the sun or that G symbol that we're seeing. It's really gorgeous, Sam. You can see the sort of the cyclical geometry and how it carries through in the letter forms. Yeah, absolutely. And that was really important as we went through the, the brand system as well as really thinking through the, the simple geometries that really give a beautiful balance. I know, Martha, you had mentioned that kind of effortless moment of a design that it doesn't need to be overproduced. And I think we were really able to achieve that from these subtle but major changes we made to the identity, as well as optimizing the color palette. That also became really important. Our navy has gotten richer so that our energetic color palette can illuminate even more. That connotes, I suppose, some energy. Absolutely. Yeah, that gradation was a beautiful way to blend um, some of the color tones we were seeing today, but it also speaks to this fueling up um, and really kind of filling up yourself as, as an individual, as a human, as you're utilizing our products and that nutrition, it really gets you into a different state. And so we love that progressive nature of that amplification of how color could blend. Now, Sam, as you introduced this conversation, you referenced system. So, of course, this was more than the word mark and the visual identity. Perhaps you would talk us through some of the other elements. 
Yeah, absolutely. And here we can start to see some of where that brand system really evolved to. And our symbol or that device really became important, that big sun, that G coming through. And it really pairs with photography in a unique way. And we really wanted to capture the energy and the power of movement throughout the brand, really refocusing on sports, sports nutrition, inclusive sports nutrition as well. You'll start to see variety of age, body types, physiques, and really making sure we open up the aperture for inclusivity as well is really important since we are a global organization. And so really making sure that we could pair photography with this device and symbol that really reflect or mimic our, our symbol became really important for the brand system for some of these more iconic Glambia moments that we could have. Sam, for the purpose of listeners to the recording on the podcast, could you kindly describe what we have on the screen, please? Absolutely. We're starting to see a beautiful brand world where the symbol is intertwined with some of our photography. You're seeing a lot of um, different dynamic sports moments. So whether it's a runner where their arm is mimicking the, the circular language of our brand symbol moving forward, of course, or yoga poses where you're starting to see individuals holding their feet above their head in beautiful poses that create circles with their body and with movement. We start to see that power of movement in combination with what Glambia can really bring to you from a sports nutrition perspective. Thank you for that, Sam. And I also see from a context perspective how the brand would show up in Instagram, in a trade show setting, in the more analog business card context, as well as other potential brochures, PowerPoints, other places where the brand would need to live. Thank you for talking us through that. Super yeah. interesting to see the movement in conjunction with the G. Anything you would highlight as before I turn to Martha to react to this in terms of what the considerations were in reflecting the new identity? I think the last thing I would add was through our auditing process, we really uncovered and unearthed an opportunity for the brand to gain distinctiveness amongst competitors through photography. And so our photography became a really important point of distinction, as well as our simplicity to really separate ourselves and give us something unique and ownable. So you're starting to see some of that beautiful in-studio portraiture with a little bit of grit to that background or that texture component that shows the determination of the brand to, to more environmental moments and that blue sky moment that really illuminates our symbol as a brand. So photography was really important to get right for our brand, not only from an inclusivity perspective, but also to create distinction in the category as well. So Martha, I'd love for you to react to that or maybe take us back to when you saw it, what struck you and your team? I think the dynamism of it, the freshness of it, the inclusion piece was huge, you know, and it was very different to how we had shown up up until that point, to be honest. I would have seen, you know, the brand as, as quite heavy, corporate, not terribly dynamic, but subject, I would say, to quite a lot of different interpretation throughout the business because it hadn't really changed in, you know, in 20 years. It was still the same word mark as had been applied, you know, right back in the in the early 90s, in the late 90s. So, you know, there was a lot of different interpretation, I suppose, floating around the business. So just to take that step back, 
do all the, you know, the, the deep grounding and the interviews, the audits, the stakeholder interviews, et cetera, and start again with a blank page was just a, you know, a, a really great opportunity. I think as well through the work, we did try to center the consumer in the conversation a bit more. Now, look, Glambia is a corporate brand. We are we are still a corporate brand today. We have consumer brands clearly that speak directly to consumers. But there was quite a gap, I think, between the corporate brand um, and, and an absence, I suppose, of, of any kind of consumer look and feel to it. So I think the work has definitely sought to bring the consumer in a little bit more and to bridge the gap, I suppose, between our expertise and, and what they come to us for. Um, the inclusion point I will also touch on because it's really important. It matters to our employees and to our consumers. We've been really, really focused on, on diversity, equity and inclusion in the business and implementing a strategy to support our goals. We have an inclusion index that we use to measure how employees feel about it. But again, it was, I would say, definitely absent from a, a strategic perspective in the previous brand identity system. It was really important to bring that to the fore more and make sure that inclusivity shows up in how we look and how we speak as a brand. Marvellous. So, Sam, perhaps we can move on from the visual identity to talk a little about the verbal identity, because the voice was also an opportunity to refresh. Mm -hmm. Set the stage for us there. How has the voice evolved? Maybe maybe even before I go to Sam, Martha, maybe maybe talk about what we had to work with. What was the voice? Where, what was the starting point there? Yeah, so I'll, I'll dial right back. I had a conversation actually um, with one of our one of my colleagues, Shona, who you'll know well, who was involved involved through the process, and we were just chatting earlier. Um, you know, and back in 2015, around the time we both joined the organization, um, Glambia described ourselves as a global food and ingredients company at that time. We had nine business functions with three different sets of values. And, you know, that process kind of slowly simplified with various transformations over the years. And, and, and obviously we had one purpose, vision and values that was conceived in and around that time as well. And, and that was a great bedrock. But back then, when asked, what does Lambia do? I think it's fair to say that employees would have talked, you know, about being a B2B company, a B2C company, about ingredients or brands or different customers across different geographies, you know, if they sat in a joint venture or the wholly owned business. And all that's fine. But what it did tend to do was describe what we do, not who we are. And there was also a definite tendency to, to define ourselves by our differences, if that makes sense. And as you guys know well, the language of what unites us is much more powerful than the language of what separates us. So I'll, I'll roll forward again. You know, there was huge progress made with the evolution of our purpose, vision and values. And there was a lot of simplification during the follow up period until 2021 when we started this work. And I think starting to describe ourselves as a nutrition company and to talk about nutrition as the thread that joins up the business was a great platform. So then through this work, there was an opportunity to refine it further. And as Sam says, we really wanted our voice to be distinct and to act as a unified message for our overall business. We wanted to bring our culture more to the fore. So you know, honesty, authenticity, no ego. These were all the attributes that came through in the, in the interviews around the verbal identity. We did explore two different voice directions. One was a kind of a modest, clarifying refresh, and the other was a bit more radical that you know, decorporatize the, the voice completely. And I think where we landed was somewhere in between the two, but again, in a place that feels, you know, just feels right, I guess, for the business. And how does that voice flex across many stakeholders? Because I'm acutely aware of how many audiences you serve. How do you how do you make it work? There's the ingredients component, there are obviously internal stakeholders, capital markets, all the rest. 
Yeah, so I think it flexes pretty well. And, and as you say, we're a listed company, so we need to be able to apply that mod that modulating tone, depending on the audience, for internal or for a formal document like an annual report, right down to social copy or, or talking points for our leaders. So I think what's helpful for me, and you know, I'm a I'm a words person, I like writing stuff, I write a lot of stuff through my job and, and always have. What's helpful is thinking of our voice as the verbal expression, I suppose, of the company's personality. And that really helps guide the words we choose, the words we channel our intention when we write. When we, um, I think from a visual perspective, like honestly, it has looked great at every touch point that I've experienced from a you know the large scale investor event where that was one of our kind of very early, it was our, our first preview of it actually back in November. The audience is extremely corporate, extremely global. And then right down more recently to a very local event with the, our local sports team here in Kilkenny, where one of the attendees said to me, God, your new identity looks great. It's so it's so fresh, you know, and it's just very interesting that, you know, the feedback, but it works well in either scenario there that I've kind of described, I suppose, on both ends of the, the, the spectrum, if you like. That's extraordinary feedback from very discerning and very different audiences, for sure, because I know in Kilkenny, there's a lot of love for Glanvia, for sure. Yeah. And great shout out to Shauna there for all her work on the employee engagement front, because I do recall engaging employees was an important component in your stakeholder work. So um, a very thoughtful company and process in that regard. Sam, what, what would you add in terms of the uh, the verbal identity, please? I think from the verbal identity, what I was personally inspired by um, from what my colleagues and team have been able to really assemble, the brand story was something that got re-articulated and it was really a team effort, I think, on both sides of the coin to really find the right words. And I think the intention to detail in those words became really inspiring to how we also brought the Viz ID to life and in the design components. So there was a really strong connection between visual and verbal that I think strengthened the work holistically that really allowed us to push in a distinctive space. And I think the attention to detail the importance we as a collective team put on the brand story, the tone of voice, really propelled the work forward and also felt really cohesive when things started to, to marry up together. And so I think that was really critical as well as just aligning on taglines and getting clarity of how we're going to speak outwardly. You know, I think I think we're important in addition to just the beautiful work of that modulating tone. And where did we land? in terms of the voice and the voice attributes. What is it, can you share? Absolutely. It, from what I remember, it was straightforward, humble, and optimistic. And I think those are all things that I personally felt with the colleagues on the Glambia side just working. I think everyone exuded those verbal attributes and it felt so authentic to the organization um, as we were going through that process where it just, it felt like a really good fit because it felt truly authentic to who who they are as an organization and, and who our clients are as well. And just really starting to, to bring that forward. And anything you'd add, Martha? Yeah, the spot on, Sam. And the other piece that I would add is that um, we'd actually done a piece of work back in 2019. And the tone of voice that we landed on for Glambia at that time was actually very consistent with what we ultimately came up with during this piece of work. So the words were slightly different, but there was three and they were, you know, they were broadly speaking in the same buckets. That was really heartening for me because it, it meant that this is real. It's not just it's an expression of our actual culture. 
It's not just words on a page or a nice deck or, you know, posters on a wall. It actually means something because you, you couldn't you couldn't have invented that. You couldn't have faked it, I don't think. So that was very validating, I suppose. And Sam, you indicated that it supported the work you were doing and the team on the visual identity. From a process perspective, what was the sequencing or were the two endeavors, the visual and the verbal, happening in parallel? We worked them in parallel, and I think that's such a great way for both work streams to not only get collaboration, but things we were hearing uh, feedback or builds on the verbal identity could influence how we were interpreting things on the design portion, or maybe there was a layout that would help really unlock the spirit of a phrase or a headline that could come through. So I think working visual and verbal together is really important. You know, brands are living, breathing things and they need to work together. And I think that there's something about working those work streams in parallel that really got us to a more authentic space for the brand. And Martha, you characterize it as a better nutrition company. That's, that's uh, maybe talk a little about that. Yeah, so what I would say about this is so clearly the words better nutrition are captured in our purpose, delivering better nutrition for every step of life's journey. And, and that purpose was, you know, pretty well embedded as I as I mentioned. I think what was what was transformative, like more broadly speaking for me about the verbal work was just simplifying quite a lot of things that we say. And the purpose is a great example of that and the tagline. So, you know, we would have said previously we're a purpose-led company, we're purpose this, we're purpose that, and, and look, that's fine. It was actually during one of the feedback points from one of our leaders who said, look, instead of saying we're a purpose led company, why don't we just say we're a better nutrition company? And I was like, oh, that actually makes a ton of sense. It was a real light bulb moment, you know, and it sounds so simple and kind of obvious, but actually it wasn't obvious at all. And that kind of descriptor, I think, sits pretty naturally with the business because people are they they live it, they feel it, they're familiar with it. And it's it's simpler than the mouthful that is we're a purpose led company or indeed reciting the full purpose. And it speaks to the full business as well, which is really important. And as we've developed the sub architecture right down through the business, one of our, our business units, Lambia Nutritionals, has has developed that further. So they're a B2B business. But now they say better nutrition built around you, i.e. the customer, which is a really lovely further iteration of that work, I think. Absolutely. And it's also demonstrating the power of good process in terms of eliciting the insight that can come from anywhere that has a byproduct, essentially, of engaging colleagues in a way that made people feel comfortable providing their point of view and the collective openness to listening to that perspective. As we continue the conversation, I invite others to please pop your questions in the q and I'm seeing some and I'm responding to them and addressing them to Martha and Sam real time. So, so Martha, one such question speaks to how did you socialize the new brand beyond the C-suite? So you talked about your leadership support, which is a fantastic uh, context for the refresh, but it's a large organization. So how did you go about that? Yeah, so we actually had quite a, a fixed hard deadline for the launch in the shape of an external event that we wanted to be ready for back in November. So that was a great opportunity and the preparation for that event, I suppose, was a great opportunity to soft launch the branch with a wider the, the brand with a, a wider group of employees. And the feedback was was great. 
from the outset, to be honest. It was clear that people were ready for something new. We lo- well, And it was also a good opportunity, I think, to test, to stress test some of the more technical aspects, you know, so things like the application of gradients, typeface, all of that sort of stuff. So that was, you know, like really helpful. Then we formally launched later in November and we had a phased approach. So digital first for the world that we live in and then rolling out all the assets to our employees. We also did quite a lot of work on sub architecture. We have a brilliant internal digital team led by our creative director, Anthony, and he was very involved in the work with Siegel and Gale as well. And they did a lot of work. You know, we had a core project team internally. Our digital team did a lot of work to further develop out the architecture for for different parts of the business. And we communicated regularly with the business from there on. We did, you know, we we developed uh, merchandise. We had quite a lot of updates and we we made sure that the, the assets were available to employees. And there was a great appetite from people like adoption was strong from the outset. And I think that's a good indication of it an early win. Sam, I think I'll have to get some merch when I'm in Ireland in a couple of weeks and bring it back for us. Please do. Please do. I would love that. I may may be able to get us something fun. Um, Martha, it, it, it also speaks to the rigor and thought around your process. I mean, Sam, you mentioned earlier when you were referencing the the identity and the visual system, you were very mindful of the digital and the physical world it had to live in. Do you want want to make any more comments on that? Because there is nuance to getting that to show up properly. No, you'll answer this much better than I, Sam. Um, But yeah, there is quite a lot of considerations in that front when it comes to things like applying fonts across websites, like which systems fonts or design fonts, what's applicable applicable for whom, and just kind of, I suppose, embedding, trying to embed the right behavior so that people know what they should be using and what's correct to use. That was one of the learnings for me, I guess, and over to you for the rest. Well, I think it's interesting. Side side point was you brought up the typography. And one thing we needed to do, um, it's such a small detail, but it was really important for us, was we had to change the A's in the typeface mm. because it was a, a single or a double story A. So it's the traditional, like you have the the bubble and then the hook up top. So we talk about those as like the double story A's. And so we wanted a single story A for the geometries. And so we had to make that modification within the existing typeface so that Martha's team wouldn't have to hand replace things and Anthony's team wouldn't have to hand replace A's every single time. Um, But for the beginning of the process, we were replacing out the the A's. And so it was all of those details. So things like that really become important as we're rolling out the brand. But as far as thinking about the scale of a brand and how we get that adaptability from something that'll work as a social media profile image to a big external wayfinding signage. I think a lot of that comes from our creative services team and all of the fantastic colleagues who really realize brands in ways that go beyond. And they're the ones who are really getting it pixel perfect, making sure that when we scale, the gradation will flex appropriately. And they're doing all the validation tests, of course, in partnership with us from an aesthetic perspective. They're the ones really making sure that we can have this brand perform at all scales and all levels, having that accessibility. So just an incredible shout out to their work stream on this project, because I think nothing can be done properly until we have their expertise on a project. It's really important to to get those details right. Thank you for that, Sam. And in listening throughout this conversation, a theme that I'm taking away is how integrated 
the whole process was. I see it on two levels, the integration between the Glanbia team and the Siegel and Gale team, and also integration across our colleagues, Sam at Siegel and Gale, verbal, of course, our brilliant account management, design and creative services to bring it very cohesively to life. It sometimes something so beautiful and simple when that is the end product is a result of a lot of collaboration to get the nuance and the details right. So very much appreciate your shout out to our colleagues and to the process. Martha, you know, I'm sure from where you sit, you're wondering about how do I know this is successful? Getting some questions in the chat, specifically in the Q&A around measurement. Maybe talk to us about that. How do you know it's successful, perhaps anecdotally, as well as more formally from a measurement vantage point? Yeah, so look, I suppose it is early days for us. It is a journey. It's it's not a, a one and done type scenario. So it's a living, breathing thing that needs to be, you know, maintained, constantly tended. But I suppose one of the key early measurement pieces is around adoption, you know, and I think the enthusiasm that it was adopted by different parts of the business from the outset was was great to see that people wanted the assets, they wanted to be able to use it, they wanted to apply it, they, wa they wanted their own version of the architecture. And you know, that's, that's okay, let's talk about that and what that might look like or not look like as the case may be. But that's great. I guess stakeholder satisfaction as well. And there I'm really thinking about our leaders, you know, how it shows up when they go out and use it externally um, with our different audiences outside the business. And just generally feedback from all walks of life, even, you know, in, in preparation for today to have people say, oh, I'm so excited to, you know, learn more about how you created this because it's so different for Glambia and, you know, would, would love to, to hear more. So I think in time we'll adopt more formal measurement tools around it. I must say as well, we've, we've had a quite a detailed process internally to actually roll it out. We've, we've stood up an internal team who meet every two weeks. Um, we were meeting weekly up until quite recently. We have a Steerco internally who are literally, and we're literally working through all the touch points from it. We've done most of the digital ones by now, but there's a huge piece around estates and signage and all the rest that needs to be done on a phased basis. So I suppose even working through through each of those checkpoints and making sure that it, it's all done and, and ticked off to the, you know, to the right standard and right quality is a big piece as well. And I think in time, we will definitely look to measure in a more formal way. But at this early stage, I think, you know, pretty good and more road to run clearly. And it's such an excellent point, Martha, because adoption and internal enthusiasm among stakeholders is a really good leading indicator of success going forward. It also strikes me that your rollout process was very professional. So we've talked about the detail, the rigor, the engagement with employees, but you did not have a luxurious time frame. It was quite it was quite compressed. So maybe speak a little bit about the time frame. We talked earlier about Lambia's announcing its intention to uh, have that spin, and then you had the the big investor day. So you had a fairly mm. short window to get this all done. Maybe speak a little about that and how you were able to achieve efficiency and at the same time engagement. Yeah, I think actually from probably the the initial conversations we had right through to launching it i think we're talking about a period of maybe 10 months or so i think that sounds about right and you know we we actually we probably only started the work proper the work proper was conducted i would say in about a six month window within that by the time we you know firmed up briefs and 
develop creative briefs and all of that sort of stuff. So it was quite a time, quite time frame. And even I recall the the creative presentations were done over the summer months. And it's it's it can be difficult to get people together, um, you know, particularly when you're involving senior stakeholders. So there were a couple of little delays or, you know, just we had to factor in time for people being away or whatever. So it was quite a tight process. I think really great account management, the Siegel and Gale side definitely helped meet our deadlines. That hard deadline definitely helped also, you know, um, once we had we had showed our executive leadership, uh, Siobhan and Mark in particular, and they said, yeah, that, look, that looks good. Can it be ready for November? And we were like, yeah, yeah, it can be ready for November. Um, so that was our deadline, really, you know, and, and we were yeah. going to meet that come hell or high water. And I think we did pretty comfortably, actually. You know, we, we used what we had. All the assets weren't completely final, final, but there were really good working versions that were close enough. And I remember one of our first conversations and what struck me after the conversation was how organized and intentional yourself and, and the team all were in terms of a clarity of what needed to be done. Frankly, openness to others' input. There was a very nice, quiet confidence that pervaded that conversation. I remember saying to my colleagues, this is going to be a great project. Sam, Sam, would you reflect on the time frame? It didn't seem like any chaos. I didn't hear any complaints of chaos. <laughs> no, no complaints of chaos on our end. I think what it was is that we had a really passionate team on our side. Me personally, I absolutely love this category. I'm a consumer of this category, and it makes it really, really easy to wake up and get energized to start designing on a brand and building a brand that you believe in that you're a consumer of and that you're genuinely just like very excited to work on. I also think having a fantastic group of clients, you have that drive to make the most incredible award-winning work that you can because you just care so much. So we really felt like we are a part of Team Galambia wanting to bring this to life. So I think it was just a lot of passion that drove the work forward. We did not feel chaos on our side. I feel like our pace was really good. And I think at the end of the day, it was a big team effort and everyone played the role we needed to play at the right time. And we got it we got it done together in time for events so that, you know, we kept everything on track. Yeah, and I should uh, underline your your referencing awards. This We've had the privilege at Siegel and Gale to put this work up for a number of awards and the um, you're being honored by that. And a lot of the uh, design, creative and strategic community is acknowledging your rigor and your output. So as we draw to the end of the conversation, I invite you both to reflect as you've been doing throughout, but reflect really deeply on two dimensions. One, your own personal lessons learned from the experience and what stood out to you. And then if I could invite you to provide counsel to others who are going through this same experience, what advice would you offer to other brands? Martha, will you, will you get us started? What were your greatest takeaways from this program because i'll call it a program it felt very much like a more than a project it felt like a program yeah absolutely so look it was a pleasure to work on to be honest and aside from that i think my biggest takeaway is that achieving simplicity isn't always obvious or easy and i referenced when i look back on the development of our new tagline which is delivering better nutrition that is basically a shortened version of our purpose statement. It's simple and it's elegant and, you know, it, it resonates with people and, and we like it. Using that 
fragment of our purpose statement was not an obvious solution as a tagline before we did this work, can I just say? And when I look back on it now, I think, God, maybe that should have been obvious, but it just wasn't. So and I think it reflects the point that you made earlier, Margaret, also that, you know, achieving what looks simple is often the result of quite a lot of hard work and a lot of inputs. And, you know, that to me was I had a sense of that before, but the process really kind of underlined and underscored that for me. I think in terms of advice for other leaders or other people, and I'm going to focus in maybe on people who are, are facing a, a separation or a split or a new company structure and wondering what, what that might mean for brand. I think at the outset, it would be helpful to try and roll forward and think about what life will look like after the event has happened. So in our case, it was a split. Do you want to be known? Does your do you want your company to be known as Remain Co? Or do you want to be known as that new code that used to be part of something else? You know, how will your world look and feel? What do you want to be known for, celebrated for? And even if you don't have all the answers, I think it's a useful exercise to just try and put yourself in the shoes of that person, you know, a year forward or two year forward, two years forward. How do you want your employees to feel at that time and, and what might impact that are all, I think, powerful questions to pose and, and just mull and maybe, you know, discuss with colleagues and, and then let that form your, your course of action from there. Fantastic, Martha. And I recall also that curiosity uh, in the beginning of this project, having the good questions as a brief coming to an agency is one of the most effective ways to get good work. So I applaud your rigor in that regard as well. So Sam, you mentioned how you love the category and had great fun doing this work. Any other lessons learned? It's such a great question. And I think when I reflect back on lessons learned, I think for me as a creative leader, the biggest lesson is making sure that your clients are engaged and feel like they're a part of co-creating. The the output of simplicity, I think, as Martha said, it, it really is is a byproduct of a lot of thinking, a lot of work. And maybe it's not a simple process in some respects, because there's a lot of complexity that we're trying to distill down into a simple thing. And so I think making sure that, you know, you're feeling heard, you're feeling engaged and that we're getting to a really good output that's really authentically bringing to life your brand is always a good lesson, I think, as a creative leader to, to learn and to take on. What would your tips be to other brands engaging in this process to be a great client, because that's another dynamic I'm picking up here. Just a really wonderful partnership. Absolutely. I think beyond just creating a really good chemistry in a collaborative nature of trust, I think we were all able to really speak freely, push on either side when needed. And I think there was that openness and a safe space where we could discuss, debate, and talk about the right approach to really make sure at the end we all felt really strong in the recommendations that we were putting forth for the organization. It's really important. But I think another point of recommendation is having a strong foundation. If we wouldn't have had that articulation or that North Star of we are focused in on better nutrition and delivering better nutrition, we wouldn't have come up with the work we did today. And so it's so important to really define your strategy before you have visuals really start to come to life and make sure we have a strong foundation to build on. And I think without that, we would have maybe not been able to achieve the timing, but 
I think we were really, we had the foundation in place before we were trying to build the walls of the home, if you will. And so I think that's a big moment too, is making sure you go through the process uh, in, a, in a smart and strategic way, laying the foundation for the brand that you're building on. And you'll be much, much happier with the output because we're all kind of tracking in the same direction. Martha, Sam, anything else you need to add? Anything I neglected to ask? Or have we covered most of it? We've covered everything. I mean, I I would just say, like, we had, a, I'm here today, but I'm, I'm the person here today, but I'm representing a bigger team, both in terms of people who were, you know, working on this project, but also, as Sam says there, the, you know, the people who worked on, developed, embedded our purpose, vision and values and the leaders who sponsored that, who believed in it, who made it possible. So, you know, I, I would just echo those comments, truly a team effort on every level. Thank you, Martha and Sam, for your grace and for sharing this wonderful case study. I'm, I'm thinking about what my greatest takeaways from listening intently to your explanations. And one of them is how this Glanbia refresh it's a glorious example of a lot of the desired outcomes of a brand revitalization. It's an example of how you can sharpen a purpose and bring it to life visually and verbally through a good process. It's an example of simplification in a very complex category with myriad stakeholders and product offerings, the primary brand and all that goes with that. It's also a glorious example of engaging stakeholders and employees. And I suppose finally, and perhaps most important, it's a great example of how to modernize and create inclusion in a brand while retaining the existing equities and propelling the company forward. So thank you. Thank you both for the story. We look forward to continuing the collaboration and indeed watching that brand grow and tracking all of the progress. Thank you, Martha. Thank you, Sam. Thank you to our audience. And I will remind you once again that the next episode of this series, Unlocking Brand, will feature Tierlawn, which was indeed and continues to be the new co as a result of this separation. So a wonderful behind the scenes conversation is in store for us on Friday with Nicola O'Connell of Tierlawn and my wonderful colleagues who worked on that project also. So with that, thank you to our audience. Thank you to our team. And of course, another reminder, if you want to share this conversation with anyone, as you see in the chat, we will be dropping this on the Siegel and Gale Says podcast shortly. So follow Siegel and Gale podcast wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts and you will get this episode as well as the Tierlawn episode. Once again, I'm Margaret Molloy on behalf of Siegel and Gale, thanking everyone. Thank you for listening. You can learn more about our work and read our thought leadership on SiegelGale.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. While you're at it, leave us a review. See you next time.